0: This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. central someone who stood with us for the last eight years as he's led the fellowship of new frontiers apostles together i know my friends lee and joseph would say we would not be able to do what we are doing we would not be released to do what we were doing without the support and the encouragement and the motivation from david devonish so even the stuff that i was to preach on david said that was good i said of course it was good it was your material David has stirred us, he's provoked us, and he's a friend, and I want you to receive him as an apostolic father amongst us. Let's welcome David Devenish as he comes to speak to us. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been tremendously encouraging to be with you. One of the advantages that Scylla and I have at the moment is that we visit many of the different uh, sphere gatherings like this. And in fact, we just flew in from Kenya before coming here, being at a similar gathering there. And it's just so amazing and encouraging to see the release of apostolic energy in all that God is doing in all the different spheres of new frontiers right now. That's just the release of ministry has done what the Bible said it would do and has caused growth all over the place. Uh, If you hold things together, often that's harder to grow, actually. If you release people, and this applies to the local church, it applies to us as a, a movement, it applies to you as churches in Christ Central, the more you release and yet keep the plumb line of apostolic doctrine, the more energy is released for church planting, for world mission, for serving the poor, for doing works of kingdom activity, and God blesses you in it. And that's just such an encouragement to have seen that here. So... Um, just want to say that at the beginning, and the theme of this, uh, conf- this devoted this year in terms of the kingdom of God is so close to my heart, so much so that when I was asked to speak on it, I, uh, because I've sp- preached so many times on the kingdom of God and different aspects, it was hard to know what to do. In the end, I narrowed it down to two and sent two lots of PowerPoints to, uh, <laughs> to the team here, And uh, then early this morning, I sent to Graham a message of which one I've settled on. Okay, so that's how it is. And so I'm going to preach on one aspect of the kingdom of God seeds and power, the paradox of the kingdom of God. If the PowerPoint could come up with the title, that'd be helpful. Okay, seeds and power, the paradox of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to read now this Bible to you, um, which will go up on the screen as well. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which is the one I normally use now for public preaching, public reading of the word. And it says this, then Jesus added, pay close attention to what you hear. That's a great start to a preach, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> got it? <laughs> Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding will be given. Literally, the translation is the measure you give will be the measure you get back. But the NLT gets the real meaning of what that is intended to say. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you'll receive in, even more To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, Jesus says. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens the earth produces the crops on its own first a leaf blade pushes through then the heads of wheat are formed and finally the grain ripens and as soon as the grain is ready the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle for the harvest time has come Jesus said how can I describe the kingdom of God what story shall I use to illustrate it it's like a mustard seed planted in the ground it's the smallest of all seeds but it becomes the largest of all garden plants it grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand in fact In his public ministry, he never taught them without using parables, but afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Father, I pray, let this message bring the wonderful stories of your word home in power to transform our lives as they were originally intended may we be those that listen well and to whom therefore more will be given Lord I pray let this live to us today in Jesus name Amen God's restoring to the Western Church which most of you come from the power of stories for the Southern Church in Africa the Eastern Church it's always been there, just like it was in the early church and was as it was in Scripture. But God is restoring the power of stories to us. Jesus told so many stories or parables, stories with a meaning for life. Indeed, it says in the Scripture we've read, in fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. The word parable in the Gospels is Uh, used in two senses, often to stories with a meaning, but sometimes it says a parable and it's actually an easily remembered proverb or saying. Most of the world learns from stories with a meaning and easily remembered proverbs. When we train people to go into other cultures, we say, learn some of their proverbs. And I've heard many of them use who've learnt the language, use Proverbs from that language because people remember it. Stories encourage faith and help deliver truth in a more easily remembered form. I would encourage us in our gatherings, just a little bit of word to church leaders here, you know, to bring a combination of stories of what God is doing today or has done in history, to encourage our faith, and stories from the Bible to give a foundation to what we believe and what we practice. Make the stories live to our audience today, like Lou did brilliantly last night with the story of the women running to the tomb. We have to, we we don't just, often we quickly, we say, there's an English expression which doesn't help us, it's called the point of the story. What's the point of the story? Friends, the story is the point of the story, okay? (laughs) And so we quickly run to the point as we think it instead of letting the story have power in people's lives as Scripture intended. As I travel a lot, I usually start my preaching with a story from somewhere else in the world, to where I'm actually preaching at the time. Then I teach a Bible story, or the stories that underpin let, uh, books like the epistles, because there's a story underpinning those, and then try and show, or, do, or develop in some way, God's overall story in the Bible which again, so we had an example last night of a brilliant story coming alive. We had an example the night before with Jeremy of the overall story of the Bible coming to life. And that's what we must keep feeding people with. So I'm going to start with stories of what God's doing around the world. And as Jeremy was preaching the other night, The Holy Spirit just put in my heart, you must talk about the persecuted church. Jesus underlines his storytelling by saying, how are you listening? As I said at the beginning, that's a great way to start a preach. Pay a close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding will be given. Literally, and this is based on on a, a format of Jewish proverbs in the way that they used to speak it it literally means in whatever you measure it will be measured to you and you and will be added to you and the degree to which, which you let the truth of these parables break upon your life the more you will understand of the kingdom of the god and of god and the more you'll be able to live it out these are not just nice stories but have power to change your outlook on life to live the life of faith and to keep you from misunderstanding of how the kingdom of God works because that was one of the important effects of these stories so listen carefully nudge your neighbor and say listen carefully (laughs) if they've already fallen asleep say wake up that's what elbows are for I've chosen these two stories from among the many I could have chosen because the first parable of the seed that grows by itself demonstrates the gospel at work in ordinary life. The second parable about the mustard seed because it recognises that what all of us contribute may feel very small, but God brings mighty results and the kingdom of God is like that. So firstly, the parable of the growing seed. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man sowed seeds on the ground. This was said to a people whose unanimous understanding of what the kingdom of God would be meant that a conquering Messiah would come, overthrow all their enemies, including the occupying Romans, and establish Zion to rule the whole earth. So their view of the kingdom was so false that Jesus had to tell stories to undermine it and shock them. And as they watched and listened to Jesus, he fulfilled some of their expectations. I nearly preached on Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, where there is a, almost a few weeks of demonstration of the might of the kingdom of God, which affected a massive, massive area in a way that's often not noticed. Matthew 4 demonstrates what happens when the rule of God comes to earth and it says from all over Syria, from the Decapolis across the Jordan, that's the area there, uh, from, from Transjordan, which is the Nabataean Arabs across the, there uh, and, and Judea, everybody came to Galilee of the nations and benefited from the kingdom of God. And people were healed from all over Syria. They camped, it said it affected a, a region of 100 miles in each direction. The kingdom of God. I nearly preached on that one. I'm about to. but No, no. Uh, but so some of the things they were expecting began to happen because people got healed and uh, amazing transformation took place. But then... He was seemingly not interested in a political or military conquest. Rather, love your enemies. Love your enemies when you're occupied. When one of these soldiers comes up to you and says, Carry the burden, don't grumble. Say, like, Do you only want to take one mile? I'll take it too. Now, this is to people who are occupied and oppressed. Bless those who curse you. So to them, Jesus is saying, to understand the kingdom, you must see it like a seed. Jesus loved telling stories about seeds. Although they all started the same way, they also had—they all had a different meaning. I love—I was just a few days ago, I was preaching on seeds in rural Africa, where there were a majority of people listening were small farmers. It was just wonderful because that's the people listening to Jesus as well. And it came alive. So he told the parable of the sower. There, the seed was the word of God. And how do you respond to the word of God? What sort of ground, what sort of soil are you? Then he told the parable of the seed and the weeds or the wheat and the tares. There, the seed isn't the word of God. The seed is you. The seed are sons and daughters of the kingdom, sown not into the church, but into the world. The kingdom grows by you being sown into the world. That's what that parable means. But here, there's two more stories about seeds. Again, totally different meaning. Why seeds? Well, you might say, well, it's relevant to an agricultural community. But actually it's more than that. It's because seeds are small but have life that mysteriously produces a mighty, mighty harvest. The harvest is both a picture of the wonderful results of the gospel but also the final judgment when God brings justice to the world. So the first first story. A man... Cast seeds on the ground, then ordinary life just goes on. It says, cast seed on the ground, then night and day, he wakes and sleeps and seems to have nothing more to do with the seed. Doesn't go and inspect it every day, doesn't go and try and encourage it to grow, may water it a bit. Yet, it sprouts and grows, and the farmer doesn't even understand how. The earth, it says, just seems to produce crops on its own. First a little shoot, a leaf blade pushes through, then heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain becomes ripe. And then, again, the farmer gets involved to reap it. How on earth is the kingdom of God like that? A man sows seed. A more banal comparison could not be imagined. Why not a picture of a gladiatorial contest? Come on, Old Testament has David and Goliath and things like that. Wouldn't that do for the kingdom of God? Or a high and lofty mountain dominating the landscape? No, high and lofty mountains were either to be preached from or removed. No! <laughs> the paradox of the gospel, the mystery of incarnation, that's Jesus coming as a human, God entered the commonplace, ordinary life. That's where God comes. Not born in a palace, but born in a manger. This is not teaching how lofty and high God is, though that's true, and we worship him as we have done in that way. But that's not the only truth about God. The other truth about God is that he is present in ordinary life. Okay? He's high and lofty. We bow down as we did during the worship. But also in ordinary life. Otherwise, you separate the spiritual and the ordinary which has been a mistake of the church over generations and one reason why this even when you've got many christians in a place like some parts of africa corruption and things like that haven't ceased because there's a separation of the spiritual life from everyday life seed is not spectacular It's not admired. You know, you might get people to come and admire your flowers, but you wouldn't have them a few weeks before and say, come and look at these seeds. Look at them. Aren't they amazing? No. Seed is not spectacular. Does not draw attention to its celebrity status. The curse of our age, even in the church. Come on, it's true. Yeah, I'll sometimes watch Bake Off with Scylla. You know, I'm a good husband like that. But uh, <laughs> I, would, I can't watch celebrity Bake Off. I can't watch anything with celebrity in its title. Because <laughs> it's so foreign to the kingdom of God. And yet the church is now, by and large, in the West and in some parts of Africa, absorbing it. So, seed is just sown as the farmer sleeps. Another process is at work. The life of God is growing. We don't even know how. It says the soil brings it forth all by itself. The Greek word there is, and I don't give you much of that sort of stuff, but it's, this one's good because you'll understand it. It's automatos. It grows automatically. Friends, as you live life as a believer, demonstrating the kingdom of God wherever you go, the fruit of that grows automatically, even if you don't see it immediately. It does. And one commentator put it like this, if you can put the next quote up. It's so good. Like the patient farmer, Jesus is supremely confident in the coming kingdom. Though beset by opposition from religious leaders and misunderstanding from, fo- from followers, Jesus is not disheartened, distraught, or desperate. Nor should there be anxi- anxiety among his disciples. The faith that Jesus requires of disciples is to sleep and rise in humble confidence that God has invaded this troubled world, not with a crusade, but with a seed. an imperceptible fifth column that will grow into a fruitful harvest. you understand? This is Jesus' confidence, this parable shows, that the harvest will come even though you don't see the process, don't understand the process and all you do is sow seeds. So, let us not be disheartened, distraught, or desperate. At work, in the community, in your family, as you do acts of kingdom righteousness, acts of kingdom kindness, when you show kindness at the supermarket checkout. You know? As you... Show mercy and love. As you speak truth but tell it in your stories. Essential in Britain, today's post-Christendom society. Not a crusade actually was a very important point there. In Africa they still do them. In England they were fruitful in the 1950s. Now there's so much opposition and cynicism, but does the kingdom able to get through? Yes. Tell stories which become like seeds. Tell people when you go to work tomorrow, what did you do over the weekend? Years ago, Scylla went to an event like this. I wasn't there. It was a thing for 18 to 30s and she looked at it and I didn't. So, uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> And she came back to Bedford and went to a delicatessen she used to use and they said where where have you been this weekend it was a bank holiday weekend so she told them where she went and the person said really I thought all that stuff was just like fables hallelujah she and her husband are still in one of our new front one of our Catholic churches in Bedford okay still going on with God just a seed. Sown by just saying where you went for the weekend. Come on! Tell your stories. Demonstrate Jesus. Love the unlovely. Witness to Christ. In that way, you can be confident the seed you have planted will grow. The kingdom will grow. And you're not desperate, distraught. Or uh, disheartened, even if it takes a long time. One of the characteristics of farmers in the Bible is that they're patient. Which doesn't fit today, does it? Jesus says, that's how it is. The zealots of Jesus' day wanted to force the kingdom through revolution. Today even, some want to force the kingdom through political action. Yes we want to encourage Christians in politics because the seed must be sown in every sector of society but no political party and sadly in parts of the world now even evangelical has become a political term which we can hardly have to be careful about using when you're talking to people it's terrible because no political party can represent the kingdom of God and I rejoice then in all our main political parties, there are Christians sowing seeds. At the harvest, the farmer becomes active again. It says, at once, or immediately, Mark's favourite word. Jesus is the man of action in Mark. Immediately, he did this. Straight away, he did that, it says. So at the end time harvest, Jesus will return. Everything transformed. But there are interim harvests of individuals coming to faith, and churches being planted. And works of the poor transforming sectors of society. As seeds are sown. Of businesses that are honest. Of corruption getting rolled back. Then we get active. It's not that we've been lazy. There's no concept in the New Testament of lazy farmers. They're hard working. But poor planted, Apollos watered. We do what we do. We work hard in the midst of ordinary life. God gives the increase. So it's all glory to Him. You know, have got more churches now. All glory to Him. Some of you have sown. Some of you have watered. God gives the increase. So have faith in the life of the kingdom of God. Do what you need to do to sow seeds. Then trust God that there is Holy Spirit power in those seeds to create and bring about a harvest. Well, then Jesus, we get the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus asks himself a rhetorical question. I'd love to have been there. That's a wonderful way of teaching, isn't he? He says to himself, what shall I liken the kingdom to? parable can I use he's already used loads but he still needed a few more rather like Isaiah 49 verse 48 to whom will you compare God what's the kingdom like ah to a mustard seed now again he was getting into the culture there because in Jewish traditional proverbs and folklore Mustard seeds were always used as the illustration of something very small and insignificant. So it wasn't a, you know, he it it, it was, it was using their proverbs. Yet this grows into a large shrub up to 10 feet high. It's an annual plant. So each year it does this. It's amazing. Yeah, you can expect things that have been there for a long time to grow 10 feet tall and more. But this is an annual. You plant it every year and it's amazingly gr- quick in its growth. That's what Jesus is saying. And indeed, and it says so much that the birds of the air can come. Now the birds of the air, when it's used in the Gospels, is a reference to the nations of the world. Okay. In fact, originally it was code for the Romans. Because if you're an occupied people, you have to speak in code. Otherwise you get locked in prison. So when they were talking to the Romans and they wanted to say something bad about them, they didn't talk about the Romans, they talked about the birds of the air. If they wanted to talk about the Herodians, they talked about the foxes. So when Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air, even the Herodians and the nations, the Romans are at home here, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So, the birds of the air. And indeed, the picture of a tree enabling birds to nest is a familiar proverb from the Old Testament about the kingdom of God. Ezekiel 17, verse 23. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the tr- shade of its branches. And Daniel 4.12 It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. So, familiar picture, but Jesus, incredible really, didn't use a cedar tree. That at least would have been a bit more magnificent. He says... No, this common or garden shrub grown from the smallest seed is what the kingdom of God is like. The mystery of the growth of the kingdom. A baby in a manger, now that's a mustard seed. Of a whole world in this little town called Bethlehem, the carol's right on that. Little town, insignificant, smallest Micah says, "Who's go to Bethlehem. Now it's probably one of the most famous cities in the, famous villages in the world, isn't it? Everyone's heard of Bethlehem. And so a baby in a manger is now celebrated by millions all over the world, the largest of world faiths and still growing. Even as the center of Christianity is moving from the west to the east where it started and to the south where it's flourished. Westerners need to be humble at the moment because we're, a go- we're entering autumn, winter, whereas in other parts of the world, this amazing gospel is growing with tremendous power. So I don't think we've got lots of things to teach people. We've got to learn. So, what... Uh, wh- What appears to be the smallest is nevertheless the greatest. In that which is hidden, the foundation of a work is laid that will encompass the whole world. Okay? You're a bit like that, aren't you? You're one of many, many seeds. And God's sowing you. Originally a few churches in the north of England... most of them reasonably small by certain standards. Come on. That's where the life is. You understand? And it'll affect the whole world. And there'll be many more seeds. You aren't the only ones, praise God. There'll be many seeds. That's how it is. But you can have faith about it. Out of the most insignificant beginnings, invisible to human eyes, God creates his mighty kingdom which embraces all the peoples of the world. Got it? doesn't matter if people haven't heard of you. It doesn't. You're not looking for celebrity status. You're looking for seeds that transform society and seeds that transform the world. And God's doing that. So for us... Let's take some of the examples. Poverty is massive all over the world. You can't even solve the problem of poverty in the town where you, your church is based. What can you do? Sow a mustard seed. Help a few, transform a few people's lives. Come on! This is how the kingdom grows. Don't say, well, we we haven't done much, and therefore we don't do it. No, do it in faith that the kingdom will grow. You know, can't relieve all the poverty of Africa, but you can plant a mustard seed and change a few. Church planting in the Middle East, a few people go. What difference does that make? A few church plants we've got in a city of 18 million people does anyone notice well sadly they have actually but it's not noticed by most people but there's a mustard seed there as we church plant in the UK and seek to send church planters to towns less reached by evangelicals in the UK which you are doing well and I'm encouraging you to keep doing it have faith even if you can't get enough people extracted from the South. Keep trying, but you know. <laughs> I've preached that in the South, all right. a lot of them need to move. But. Sorry, that's, it sort of slipped out before I could pull it back. <laughs> that's, that's <what> we're doing. <laughs> Plant a mustard seed. You work for a large company, but not many believers. Plant a mustard seed of good works, good action, good attitudes, and hard work where you are, and that will be the kingdom of God. Even if they don't know you're a Christian. You know, Esther, who was in the most oppressive situation you can imagine, in the harem of the king, had to even not say that she was a Jew. And yet she came... Yet the kingdom results of that are still celebrated by the Jewish faith today. She didn't even say she was a Jew. You're in a sector dominated by the secular agenda where you feel you have to compromise weekly if not daily. Like Esther did. So I'm, I'm being real here. You can't always stand up against things. And the scripture example of not doing that Daniel learnt all the magic arts of the Babylonians. It wasn't what guided him, it was faith in God. But he learnt it. (coughs) You know. So, plant a mustard seed It's not impressive, doesn't stand strategic. Can it have any effect? In the arts, and I'm so glad that our churches now are encouraging rather than being silent about all those who are involved in creative arts. It's so important because it forms culture. But you plant seeds, they'll grow. We make disciples, we make disciples. The seed is reproducing, growing until the harvest. The kingdom of God is present. It's even vulnerable to falling on the wrong soil, according to another parable. It's hidden and small, but with power. And that is your life. So keep telling stories. I'm closing now. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. That should be an example to to preachers, shouldn't it, really? (laughs) Do you think? People love to hear another story, even if they don't fully get it. The stories were an invitation to experience the ruling of Jesus, because that's what the kingdom is. I'd have spent more time on that if I'd done the other sermon. But what the kingdom is, is the ruling of Jesus in every part of life. So these stories were an invitation to experience it. Even though tantalizingly, they were not fully sure what it meant. When people embark on a path of discipleship, they don't fully understand usually. Don't worry about that. They may say all the wrong thing, don't worry about that. just encourage them to join the adventure (laughs) stories are powerful according to this scripture they are the teaching they don't just illustrate the teaching they are the teaching N.T. Wright put it like this it would clearly be quite wrong to see these stories as mere illustrations of truths that could, in principle, have been articulated in a purer, more abstract form, i.e., with lists of concepts. They were ways of breaking open the worldview of Jesus' hearers, so that it could be moulded remolded into the worldview which he, Jesus, was commending. Our secular world has its stories. Muslims have their stories, as do Buddhists, Hindus. All cultures have their worldview stories. And great events and cherished beliefs that identify them as a culture. And N.T. Wright said elsewhere stories are actually peculiarly good at modifying or subverting other stories and their worldviews. Where head on attack would certainly fail, the parable hides the wisdom of the serpent behind the innocence of the dove, gaining entrance and favor, which can then be used to change assumptions which the hearer would otherwise keep hidden away for safety got it tell your stories tell Bible stories do acts of mercy show kindness be honest keep your integrity keep away from sin And these seeds you will sow that bring the kingdom of God, transform the world, even though it looks so small and even though nobody's ever heard of it, even though you don't become the most famous mustard seed in the world, (laughs) it's almost completely uh, impossible. God's saying, that's who you are and it will grow by itself and even though it's small it has life changing power that's what I want to commission you with today you understand I'm not commissioning you with a let's go word in that sense in a triumphalistic way I'm commissioning you with a in ordinary life so seeds that's all. But that's powerful. And will transform society. I want to pray for us all, but I just felt I just felt certain people need to who are in tough situations in terms of career, but they're called to that need to be really just prayed for. So I'd like to pray for people working in social services, social workers and other social welfare people i'd like to pray for school teachers and university teachers and also i felt god say to me preach uh, pray for small entrepreneurs who are starting small businesses okay i just feel god's saying in all those three the first two because of the humanistic secular agenda that's all around you and the last one because it requires the same sort of kingdom faith to get that started, yeah. and actually God wants to use that kingdom faith in all sorts of ways. So if you're in any of those three categories, this is how I'm going to just run to the front now, please. Come on, quick! I'm out of time, so come. There's lots of you here. By the way, this doesn't mean the rest of you are not going to sow seeds of the kingdom. I'll pray for you in a moment. You'll have to, you'll have to be a bit un- un-English and huddle together to let them through. Okay, Many countries I go to, even when you go through a passport control, you have to get to a T-headed queue. You know, it's just all, just all pile in. Come on. More me forward. Come on. <laughs> Could you? I just feel to do a prof- sort of prophetic action thing. Can you cup your hands together as if you're about to catch? seed that's going to be thrown at you okay I just feel God wants you to go from this place with a rich supply of seeds of the kingdom just be ready to catch it now father I pray right now that you would distribute all over this auditorium unique seeds of the kingdom into people's hands, which will grow as they plant them in the ground. Please, seeds are not to be admired in your hands. Seeds are to be received in your hand and then used for kingdom purposes. Some of the seeds will be taking the gospel to other nations. Some of the seeds will be looking well, looking after your family at home extremely well. Some of it will be in your retirement, showing kindness to many. Some of those seeds will be uh, causing you to move to a new church plant. Some of you seeds will be just doing with greater integrity and greater skill the uh, work that you're doing. God's giving seeds, receive them now. Holy Spirit, pour them out all over these people and let them use them to sow seeds of the kingdom all over this land and the nations of the world. Lord, I pray, let Christ Central itself be a mustard seed. Father, I ask for that. Lord, they're not looking for glory for themselves, they're not saying, Wow. Let Everybody here of us, let the Christian press report us. Lord, they're saying, let us be a mustard seed which transforms the world so that the birds of the air, the nations of the world can lodge and nest in the shelter of that. Lord, I pray for everywhere they work, wherever they go, let them be that. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. I pray that for them corporately. I pray that for them individually. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said a hearty. Amen. Amen. God bless you.